are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. We welcome you and want to encourage you to turn in your Riverside apps to the live event notes. And you can also find notes that are in your bulletins, uh, both here in Oakmont as well as up at the mills. You can turn there and follow along today. We're going to be wrapping up a message series that we've been in since the beginning of the year. We've been talking about pursuing God. And our theme verse has been from the Apostle Paul's writings in the book of Philippians, where he talks there, we'll put it up on the screen, about the fact that I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. And that's been our thrust of this idea of pursuing God. We acknowledge uh, each week that God pursues us first and then we pursue him back. But there are some obstacles that get in the way to us being able to fully pursue God uh, like we truly should and, and like I know we want to, many of us. We talked about the first week about failure and how it's that failure in the past keeps us from being able to to get past our past and be able to pursue the Lord. We talked about getting past labels and getting past unforgiveness, moving beyond bitterness. And um, then last week we talked about moving beyond pride, getting past that. And this morning we're going to wrap up this message series by looking at a subject matter that I think many of us uh, will admit at some point along the way that we struggle with from time to time, and that's the issue of guilt or shame. Uh, Kind of go hand in hand with each other. And guilt can keep us from being able to pursue God like we truly should. I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like many times it's easier for me to forgive somebody else than it is for me to forgive myself. It's like, uh, I know what I did and I know the hurt and the pain I caused myself or God or others around me. And I wrestle with letting myself off the hook sometimes. It's easier for me to let somebody else off the hook uh, than it is for me. But Jesus said that we're not to condemn ourselves. In fact, this guy, Paul, that we're just talking about, he would write in another text in the New Testament that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we are not under condemnation from God and therefore we should not condemn ourselves. But I think far too often we find ourselves condemning ourselves. It, it seems like a lot of people have the mentality that they shouldn't uh, let somebody off the hook if there needs to be punishment. If there needs to be punishment, we want justice. We want people to get exactly what they deserve in our society. And so we apply that desire to see others come to justice to ourselves and to let ourselves off the hook, to forgive ourselves, to get past ourselves would mean that we would not feel like we had truly received the just punishment. And so sometimes this idea of hanging on to guilt or hanging on to our shame I think is a subconscious way for us to punish ourselves and to not truly move forward in our lives. So all of this tension that we experience over the subject of guilt and shame kind of helps us to, or rather derails us from being able to pursue all that God has in store for us. And this morning, I've got a partner up here with me. Uh, If you've ever been around the Nexus facilities over the last few years, Benny will show up in many of the Nexus arenas here, and uh, he has scared many people over the years uh, coming into the building in the darkness, and they turn on there, and there's Benny, ah, you know, that whole thing. So this morning, I want us to talk about uh, this subject matter of shame and guilt and, and trying to move past that, and I've asked Benny to come. Could you welcome Benny today here in Oakmont and up at the mills? He's kind of he's shy. 
He won't say a whole lot, but uh, he's going to help me. And, and what I want you to see when you see Benny today, I wanted to try to give you a visual to help you remember exactly this subject matter that we're talking about this morning. So on one extreme, when we think about this idea of guilt and shame, we've got some people who think of themselves more highly than they ought. Anybody ever been around somebody like that before? Okay, and they're kind of here. They're in this spot. They think more highly of themselves, of themselves than, they, than they should. And so they have no problem forgiving them themselves. That's an easy thing for them. They'll let themselves off the hook. And then over here on this side, you've got folks that think too lowly of themselves and their lives are racked with guilt and shame over big things as well as little things. Anybody ever known somebody like that? They just cannot seem, no matter what it is, to be able to forgive themselves and move past themselves. So you got unhealthy over here. You got unhealthy on the other side. But Benny, he's our healthy guy. He understands exactly what it means to be receiving forgiveness from God. And uh, he's going to kind of be, I'm going to come back to him throughout the morning. But he understands that an unhealthy view of ourselves can lead to pride. And he also understands that too low of a view of ourselves can lead to this sense of guilt and shame that some people are just absolutely consumed by. And forgiving ourselves is right there in the middle somewhere. And it's the balance of scripture that we're going to try to take a look at this morning as we unpack this idea of forgiving ourselves. So it's confession time in both locations. And if you're listening on the podcast, you can just uh, raise your hand there in your house or in your car, wherever you're listening. How many of you have ever struggled with forgiving yourself, with moving past guilt or shame? Okay. I knew it in a church full of people who were coming out of former Catholic environments and other mainline denominations, and we'd have some guilty folks, right? Yes, okay, you have the mills as well. I've heard so many people say, I struggle with getting past that sense of guilt and moving past that sense of shame, and I wrestle with that. And I want to try to help you to understand the difference between true guilt and false guilt, because there is true guilt that says, you know, I'm, I'm really wrestling, I hurt my family, and I just can't look myself in the mirror. I committed, I lied, or I cheated, or I did something that was so heinous, that's so horrible, that I'm struggling to let go of that and really be able to move past my guilt and my shame. And there are big things that we experience in life that that's true guilt, and we should feel guilt over that for a season, for a time period. But then there's other stuff that we feel guilty about. And that's like, you know, like, ah, I was late to the meeting and I feel guilty about that. And I'm just going to be racked with guilt and shame about that. Or I, you know, said I would be there and I wasn't. I promised I would do that and I didn't. And some of us are more concerned with those issues than we are with true guilt. And if you're one of those kinds of people, maybe you're kind of over here in this area and you're saying, yeah, just about everything makes me feel guilty then I want to encourage you to, to get some help with that because that's not the healthy piece and that's truly not what we're talking about today. We're talking about the real deep issues of life. When we've done something wrong, how do we move past that? When we've caused others deep woundedness and pain, and we talked two weeks ago about forgiving others when they hurt us. We talked last week about swallowing our pride, apologizing, receiving forgiveness, asking and making ourselves vulnerable. But this is now that inner work of forgiving ourselves. And if you find yourself constantly with guilt and shame, 
I would encourage you to get some counseling, to get some help for that, because that's not how you were made to be, and God wants to help you move past that. But that's beyond the scope of really what we're dealing with here in our time together this morning. We're really focusing in on what true get when we know we have sinned against God, when we have damaged others, and we're trying to move past that kind of thing. What do we do with that, and how do we work through that? There was a man in the Bible by the name of David, And he was a king, and he was the second king of the nation of Israel. And you can go on your own and read through the story if you're not familiar with it. In the book of 2 Samuel chapter 11 and the the chapters right before and right after that is a story of David who got lazy. He was the king of Israel, and he was supposed to be leading the nation of Israel, supposed to be leading the warriors, supposed to be leading them into battle. And he got lazy, and he sent others to go do it for him. And he found himself... Uh, This king, who God would say is a man after his own heart, but he ended up on top of his roof and he saw a beautiful woman and he coveted after her. He wanted her. He had her. He brought her to the palace. Her name was, was Bathsheba. Many of you are familiar with the story. And he ended up making some grave mestakes, committed adultery with her, ended up um, murdering her husband in the process. And it was a scandal and a cover up. And he thought he'd gotten away with it. And eventually, a man by the name of Nathan, it was a prophet in in David's day, came to David and he told him a story that basically exposed David's guilt. And David repented over that and he felt guilt and he felt shame for that. And Psalm 51 is a great chapter, uh, again, for you to be able to take a look at it. What do you do when you've made the mistakes, when you've wronged others, when you've hurt God and others around you? David confesses his sin and he is forgiven, and he is able, apparently, to be able to move on. And so we're going to look at Psalm 103, if you want to turn in your Bibles or, again, in in the notes or the app, and look at Psalm 103, because Psalm 103 really is a beautiful... This this must have been some point in the the past, uh, after all of this occurred uh, in David's life, and he has been able to move past the guilt and the shame. And his... These, these verses in this psalm are just absolutely beautiful and give us a tremendous picture. And as you're thinking today about these thoughts, this whole text is really um, a glimpse and an understanding of the person who has been able to understand and embrace God's forgiveness. Um, it's insights into their inner world. And so Benny's going to represent this guy that's writing in chapter 103 of Psalm, and he's going to try to help us because a person who isn't down on themselves constantly and isn't full of themselves, how do they operate as it, re- as it relates to this issue of being forgiven and forgiving themselves? So a, fir- a person who has totally gotten a hold of that, who's moving beyond guilt, spends a lot of time reflecting on what God has done. I want you to see this in Psalm 103. We'll look at it in the first six verses. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I don't know about you, but I wrestle with forgetting the benefits of God sometimes. I need to be reminded, and I need to spend intentional time reflecting on what God has done. And so that's what David is going to do, reflecting on his benefits. Who, and here he says, who forgives all your sins. That's beautiful. We're headed to the communion table in just a little while. We need to be reminded of that today. He forgives all our sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles, or in our case today, the Seahawks. 
okay? Sorry, couldn't resist. We got our Steelers representation, right? The, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Now, when we make mistakes, we need to remember, and we, when we're trying to work through this idea of forgiving ourselves, we need to remember what God has done. We need to reflect on all that he has done in our lives and how much he cares about us and what he thinks about us. When we make those mistakes and there's a blemish, there's a stain on us, we need to understand that the blood of Jesus isn't like bleach. You know, if, if Benny gets something on his shirt here and we put some bleach on it, in the right light, you can still see it, right? It might take away the major portions of it, but in the right light, and you still know it's there, you look real close, you'll still see the stain, but not so with the blood of Jesus. His blood completely wipes the slate clean, completely applied to us, brings a change. It's total and it's forgiveness that is absolute. And if we insist on not forgiving ourselves, if we insist on wrestling with this for the duration of our lives, we are in essence saying intentionally or not that the atonement, the shedding of Jesus' blood wasn't sufficient for us. The stain still lingers and it's perceptible to us. And we're telling God, Lord, you know, I'm sorry. It's not that I don't appreciate what Jesus did at the cross. I really do. And I don't mean any offense, but I've got this one still, God. I have to forgive myself or this issue won't properly be handled. And that's a scary place for us to get into. If we think carefully about that kind of a mindset, that is still ego-driven and pride-centered. It's as if we're saying to Jesus, Jesus, you can't do it all. You need my help. And while none of us, I don't think, would say that, just out loud to somebody else. That's what our lives are doing when we can't learn to embrace God's forgiveness wholly and allow his forgiveness to embrace us completely. And I don't want you to fall prey to the devil's lies. He is the accuser. His job is to make sure that your joy is robbed and he loves to point the finger. He loves to tempt us, then watch us fall into some kind of sin and then accuse us and point it out to us time and time and time again. He does not want you to forgive yourself. His whole game plan is that you would not be able to pursue as the high call of God upon your life, that which what Jesus has for every single one of us. He's trying to thwart that work in your life. And if he can do it by holding you in guilt and tying you down by shame, he will do it every single time. But on the flip side, God wants you to forgive yourself. He wants you to experience his forgiveness firsthand. And you will have inner peace whenever you learn to do that, whenever you embrace his forgiveness wholeheartedly. You'll move past the shackles and you will be freed from the bondage of guilt. And the way forward is to have such a high value on the peace that you get from total forgiveness that you prefer peace over punishment. Peace is better than punishment every single time. And Satan wants you to keep punishing yourself. He wants you to keep beating yourself up. He wants you to stay guilty. He wants you to hide in shame. But Jesus gave his life so that you could be totally 100% forgiven, redeemed, bought back with a price so that you could be made whole, so that you didn't have to be guilty anymore. So somebody who's 
totally learned this or is in the process, spends a lot of time reflecting on what God has done. Benny also spends a lot of time focusing on who God is. Not just what God has done, but who God is. Which means that the focus, if we're focusing on God, the focus is not on you. It's not on me. Look at what David says in Psalm 103. He made known the ways, his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord, and here we go. I want you to notice this. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forget forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. We focus on who God is. So what part of his character means the most to you? Sitting right there, up at the mill, sitting in those seats there. Is it his compassion? Is it his mercy? Is it the fact that he's slow to anger, he's loving, he's tender, he's patient, he's kind? You see, forgiving yourself is not repression. It's not denial of your sinful past. It's not refusing to look at the bad things that you've done. We don't deny what we've done to ourselves or to others or to God. We don't shut our eyes to the pain that we have hurt others. It is with eyes wide open that we forgive ourselves and we focus not on ourselves, but on our great God who is compassionate and loving and kind and tender to us. And then we fully embrace God's forgiveness. Somebody who's gotten this has fully embraced the forgiveness. How strange it is, if you think about this, that we're forgiven by a God who is perfect. When we confess our sins, the Bible says he is faithful and just to cleanse us our sins and to forgive us from all unrighteousness. It starts with confession and acknowledging our guilt. And then God says, I'm wiping the slate clean. How strange is it then that a perfect, sinless God could forgive us and we can't forgive ourselves? Have you thought about that? Do we have higher standards than God? Are we saying that God's forgiveness wasn't right? He wasn't right to forgive us? Again, this comes down to a subtle pridefulness when we refuse to let go of the hurt that we've caused others when we wrestle with this and we hold on to our guilt and our shame. God's already forgiven us and he wants us to fully embrace his forgiveness David goes on, and it's like he's gotten a hold of something deeper as he makes this work. He's he's been focusing on um, what God has done and who God is, and he's embracing deeply and wholeheartedly this idea of forgiveness. But now, as he turns the corner in verse 13, he's going to talk about his new identity as a child of God. We think of it today in terms of our identity in Christ. And our identity in Christ, when we fully embrace it, that should influence our thoughts and our attitudes, the actions that we experience. Look at what he says. As a father has compassion on his children, 
Notice the familial references here. God is our father. We are his adopted children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. In other words, we honor him. We respect him. He is an all-powerful God. We fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant, a covenantal relationship between each of us and our heavenly father. And remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. When we get this idea of letting go of the past, when we truly embrace our identity as a child of God in Christ, that changes everything. It changes how we view ourselves, how we see ourselves, and we act accordingly to a new game plan, God's game plan for us. And we don't have to hang on to the guilt and the shame. Has the fact that you're a child of God, if you've made a decision to embrace this, you've offered yourself to Jesus. You've asked him to come and you've asked God to be your father. If you've done that, have you allowed that fact that you're a child of God to fully permeate you at the very core of who you are? Heart, soul, mind. If not, today's the day to fully embrace that. When we view ourselves as our heavenly father does, our behavior follows suit. And we are open to being transformed by the power of God's love and his Holy Spirit more and more into the likeness of Jesus. Did you know that totally forgiving yourself will help other people to like you more? You're more likable when you're not hanging on to guilt and shame. When you forgive others, you're more enjoyable. When you forgive yourself, you begin to move into all that God has in mind for you and you're not cut off from pursuing that prize. And when you forgive yourself, you're healthier. There's lots of studies, and Bill mentioned that a couple weeks ago, that high blood pressure, heart disease, kidney disease, arthritis, all that stuff, there are some indications that some of that stuff is tied to allowing bitterness and, and rage and anger to just well up within us. If that's against somebody else, if that's against ourselves, now, if you've got those things, I'm not saying it's because you're, you know, not forgiving yourself, but it might be something to give some thought to. It's interesting that unforgiveness, whether that's to somebody else or ourselves, impacts not just our soul, but our bodies. So what do you do when you're getting this stuff down? When you're starting to understand what God has done? who he is. You're embracing forgiveness. You're allowing your new identity as a child of God to influence how you think about yourself and others. At the end of it all, you just offer yourself. You just offer yourself to God in worship. You say, God, I'm yours. Look at what the psalmist writes in 103.20. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you, his servants who do his will, praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. David sought the forgiveness of God, and then he offered himself to God in a life of worship. He pursued God with everything that he had in worship. 
That takes diligence. That takes practice. And could it be that David understood something that maybe we miss at times? Could it be that David understood that when we truly embrace the forgiveness of God and the degree to which we forgive ourselves may be directly correlated to our usefulness in the kingdom of God. And David said, I do not want to be held up anymore. I want to pursue God. I want to offer myself to him in worship. I want to forgive myself. You know, as I was thinking about this and we were talking as a staff about examples of men and women in the scripture who wrestled to forgive themselves, we couldn't help but think about two men that surfaced in the story of the final hours of Christ's life. One was named Judas and the other one was Peter. Part of his inner core is 12, these two men. All of the disciples that night that Jesus was betrayed failed. But Judas and Peter kind of rose above the rest in their failures. Both men denied Jesus. One betrayed him, the other one just denied him. Both men filled that night and in the days and the hours ahead with guilt and with shame. One man allowed his guilt and his shame to take him to the point of taking his own life. Judas would go into eternity not ever giving Jesus the chance to forgiving, not ever being able to forgive himself. Peter, on the other hand, went out and wept bitterly, was full of guilt and shame for days. But Jesus had the chance to restore Peter. And he told him that he loved him. He told him, I've got a plan for your life. Focus not on you, Peter, and what you've done, but look at me. I am the God who created you. Follow me. I'm the God who has a plan for your life. Pursue me. Embrace my forgiveness, Peter, fully. I gave my life so you did not have to be wallowing in your guilt and your shame any longer. And we know that Peter would follow Jesus all the way to a cross himself because he'd been restored, because he'd been forgiven, because he was able to make things right and then he was able to forgive himself. That's what Jesus wants you to do today. He wants you to experience the freedom from guilt and shame that he offers. So think about the things that you're sitting there here and up at the mills and you're listening by podcast. Think about the things that you still feel guilty about. What is it that's still causing you shame that maybe nobody else knows, but you are just not whole inside. Maybe you're going to jot them down right there on your notes. Nobody else is going to look. Maybe you can start to get honest about those things. Maybe you thought you'd move past them. And as we've been talking, the Holy Spirit said, now you've still got some work to do. Don't confuse his voice with the enemy's voice that would want to cast shame and guilt upon you today. That's not what we're doing here. Silence that voice in your head. But if the Holy Spirit's voice is saying, yeah, you've still got some work to do internally with yourself, embrace that. I'm going to invite our connection team here in Oakmont to head back to the back, and we're going to be receiving the communion elements in just a few moments. Up at the mills today, 
you're going to be uh, going to the corners and Pastor Bill will, will give you uh, some more direction on that in just a little bit. But I want to wrap this up with just giving you some real practical handles to grab hold of as you're wor- wor- working through this. And, and what do you do after you've heard all of this and you're hearing who God is and what he's done and talking about his forgiveness again today, being applied to you afresh and anew? What do you do if you still feel guilty? Or what will you do in the future when you're feeling guilty? Again, if we're talking about the pseudo guilt, the false guilt stuff, the stuff that we'll feel guilty over just in relationships here, but it's not necessarily sin or wrong, that's a counselor, that's books, that's stuff that you can talk about with a Stephen minister or your small group and work through that stuff. But what do you do when we're talking about real in-depth guilt that you're feeling and you're not able to move past it? I've got just four or five things there in your notes that I want you to take a look at. And the first is that you have to come to a place like Benny did one day where you accept the fact that you're a broken sinner. Really, Benny represents me and he represents you. We're all broken sinners. One way that you can understand and move past, one thing that I wanted you to be able to hear today was that, you know, whenever that thing occurred, whenever that situation happened that you're still holding on to that guilt for, ask yourself right now, if I had it to do all over again, would I do it the same? And if the answer is no, then you're experiencing growth. If the answer is, yeah, I'd do the exact same thing all over again, then perhaps, perhaps we've got some work to do. But we all need to understand that we're still in process. Jesus redeems us. He makes us whole in Christ internally, but there's that working out of our salvation. That's not working for our salvation. That's flushing that out, working that all the way to glory in heaven. Number two, acknowledge that Christ has forgiven all your sins, even the ones that haunt you. And hear Jesus. In fact, if you would, just all of you here and up at the mills, I want you to just close your eyes for just a moment. Just close your eyes. Nobody looking around here or up at the mills. I can see you if you're looking around. Don't look around and just hear these words from Jesus today. Forgive yourself. I have forgiven you. Does my opinion matter? Well, if it does, then forgive yourself. You can open your eyes and Doing that is what shows the highest honor and respect to the blood and the body of Christ. If you want to show highest respect for Jesus and his sacrifice, forgive yourself, forgive others. And admit, number three, that your ongoing feelings of guilt come from yourself rather than from God. And some of you, I, want, I wanted you to get this picture today of sitting across from yourself. You know, when you're forgiving somebody else, they've wronged you and you're forgiving them, you can have that interaction one-on-one with them face-to-face. But how do you have that conversation with yourself? That's what Benny's here to help us with today. We're gonna leave Benny here all week long and you can stop by during the week and have a conversation with yourself, okay? And you may need to look at yourself. Maybe you're gonna do this in the mirror. You're gonna look, look at yourself and you're gonna say, David, I can see myself in his sunglasses right there. David, I forgive you for all those hasty decisions. I forgive you for what you said. I forgive you for what you did. 
I forgive you for what you didn't do, what you didn't say. I forgive you for those foolish sins and that lack of self-control. And then you name one by one by one those things that you need to let go of about yourself and forgive yourself and have that kind of a conversation. And then number four, you offer your guilt to God in confession and you be, you be specific. You say, God, I confess to hanging on to my guilt over whatever. You fill in the blank. And then when those feelings of guilt return, because you're learning a new way of living and they're going to come back, recall the fact that you're forgiven and say, Father, I'm forgiven. Help me to refuse to feel guilty over that which I am now feeling guilty that Jesus gave his life for and that I've already been forgiven of. And then you put your guilt back in the arms of Jesus. It's easy to put it into some thoughts on a piece of paper. It's tougher to live it out. But Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to help us to do that. So in both locations, I'm going to ask if you would to just bow your hearts with me and I want to pray. And I want you to rest in the assurance that God is not going to abandon you to the results of your failure. Nothing in all of creation, not your bad decisions or the result of others' failures in your life will be able to separate you from the love of Christ and from his loving purposes. And let's do what Paul did. Let's put away the past, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. That includes guilt. That includes shame. And we look forward to how God is going to move in our lives. So Lord, we acknowledge that peace is better than punishment. We thank you for what you have done on our behalf, offering yourself for our redemption, for our wholeness. We focus on who you are today, compassionate, gracious, loving, and caring, slow to anger, abounding in unbelievable mercy, grace, and love. Help us not to abuse that, not to take it for granted, but instead to forgive others, offer apologies and make reconciliation on our part as much as it depends on us. Help us to live at peace with everyone, including ourselves, that we might have a fresh revelation of your forgiveness and that we might be able to move into the future pursuing you with everything that we have. Thank you, Jesus, for living a life that demonstrates to us you, you never felt guilt until you felt ours on the cross. So we're sorry for whatever guilt you had to experience, whatever shame you had to bear upon that cross. But thank you for bearing it so that we don't have to any longer. Help that to drive us to our knees in humble submission, to place you at the core of who we are and follow you and pursue you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.